Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. First episode of the year, I am Doug Sprinthal. Alex Brantford Rasmussen. Oh, yeah. No mom, so Andy Brantford. <laughs> and Cassie Schrader. Bob Ryan. The get. How about that? I couldn't hear either one of them. Doug Tom couldn't Ryan. hear either one of them. I'll turn them up. There you go. No, you're t- this one's Tom Ryan is nothing but trouble. I d- I've decided <laughs> whenever he comes in, nothing but trouble. Hello, Thomas. How are you, sir? I'm well, thanks. How about you? Marvelous. We'll be Simply right marvelous. back after this commercial break. <laughs> Jesus, you by the way. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For- <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. <laughs> oh my God! Wow! We're joined in you studio by uh, two of my co-workers, uh, actually the president of the Ryan oh Adams my. Group, Tom Ryan, wow. and uh, Katie Lambert, who I'm really excited about uh, having on the show. Um, Katie, we usually start off when we have brand new green peas on the Car Selling Secret Show by forcing them to tell the story about their first automobile. Now you can embellish it, you can make it up. We no. don't do facts check any fact checking, so. Oh. Great. Have at it. Okay, well, my first car was a 1987 Honda Civic, and it was a five-speed, and my dad was in the car business, so he dropped it off in the driveway and said, here's your car, and it had about 140,000 miles on it, and I looked at it, and I said, I don't know how to drive a five-speed, and he said, well, if you want a car, you're going to have to learn, and so I started to cry, and... (laughs) My sister uh, graciously offered to take me driving in my new little Honda Civic, and I remember being stuck at a four-way stop sign in Deep Haven, and the car stalled, and my sister was screaming at me, and, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, and uh, the cars were honking, and uh, that was my first experience driving in that car, and then... My dad called me about six months later and said, hey, have you changed the oil in that car yet? And I said, the oil? Are you supposed to, what, how do you do that? He said, you know, I think I'm just going to come and I'm going to pick the car up and we're just going to take it to the auction. So that was my first car. So your dad drops a stick shift off in your driveway and throws you the keys and says, see you later? Yep, basically that's what he did. I know your dad. He, yeah. he is kind of a miserable <laughs> prick sometimes. <laughs> I, I'm oh, kidding. Well. Her, uh, her, wow. her father is a uh, wholesaler, and it's kind of an insider thing, but these are the guys that will buy uh, trade-ins from dealers for wholesale, take them to auctions, fix them up a little bit, and try to resell them, and then buy cars at auctions, fix them up a little bit, and then resell them to dealers. It's uh, The people that do that successfully are incredibly sharp because they work on very, very small margins. Right. And if they make a mistake, it can wipe out the profits for 10 cars that they sell. So that makes you a little tough. But I think that is a little harsh just to toss the keys at your you're 16 i assume i'm yeah i was 16 i i had just turned and i was really excited to, to start driving again and get my freedom and everything and then i mastered the five speed in bumper to bumper traffic on highway 94 well, that's pretty impressive actually yeah, well you. and a matter thank of opinion you. we're not sure <laughs> have you seen her drive a stick <laughs> i stay away oh, i'm a great stick shift driver thank you very much but her father was an, a walzer employee so i worked with joel back at in the, the day. buick store Oh, wow. Yeah. It was before my time. Yeah, back in the late 70s. Yeah. 
Wow. Right after the earth cooled. Right. Right. <laughs> or Tom started on KQ. That's right. <laughs> right. You were still you were still doing voiceover back then out oh. in the wild was, blue yeah. yonder. In the good old days. Out in New York is the wild blue yonder now. That's I like that. Katie, I, I, I was talking to Katie, uh, actually emailing back and forth about uh, doing the podcast and so on and so forth. And before we get to what she does for a living, I, I, she, she's got kind of an interesting story to tell that revolves somewhat around you. Now, I don't want you to get super big-headed about it. Yeah. <laughs> Go well, ahead, who Katie. Who are you talking to? Talk, I'm talking to you. Oh, Okay. Well, so I, uh, I've got uh, nearly 10 years of sobriety. I, uh, I'm a recovering Love alcoholic. It. And uh, I remember very, very vividly the, the day that you announced that you were going to treatment. And mm-hmm. it, it, had a, it had a big impact on my, on my life because, you know, I think that there's, you know, the, uh, recovering alcoholics, you know, and, and recovering drug addicts, you know, they, it, it's like supposed to be this big, deep, dark secret. And, you know, you, you have to, you know, be put in the closet and on a shelf and you're not supposed to talk about it. And I thought it was really cool that such a public person had, had uh, spoken about, you know, you spoke about your, your struggles with, with addiction and with alcoholism and, <coughs> and everything. And it was, it was really cool. It, it made me, um, not feel like I, I had to hide. And I'm, I'm very public now about my, about my sobriety. Good. Yeah. You'll help other people doing that. That's wonderful. The one thing I, I was going to mention to you once you start talking about this is, do you think there's any correlation between your life and mine, the fact that we both went through treatment and we both know Doug Sprint? Oh, oh, Jesus, oh, come on. Actually, <laughs> what? yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm thinking to myself, because Tom is a veteran of the program. I'm like, so I've got a podcast, and I'm the only one that drinks, and the other two people, the other three people are uh, in the radio business and the car business. What are the odds of that? Right. Well, and I, mm, I too, have been in the program for over 39 years now. Oh and so... So old. Yeah, well, I am old. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh and, and that's a bit unusual in the auto business because that's kind of the playground for the wicked. It, it yeah. was. And, yeah. you know, in the old days, the saying was everybody in the car business has either been through treatment or should. That's right, or on their way. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And I well, can't imagine the radio the business way. was yeah. much different. Uh, no. It was not different at all, well, as a matter re- of fact. Yeah, record business. Oh, oh my gosh! Oh god! For Capital oh, Records. God. I can't even. Imagine. There were drink, drinking, and drugs in the in what? the in the music industry. Music industry. Shocked. <laughs> what? Yeah. I never heard of such a thing. So, Katie, but that is wonderful that you bring that up. I think it's to, to be public is the own. There was a woman who called in this morning. Remember Jonathan, that kid in in Richfield that got shot to death three years ago. Oh. That van pulled oh, over. Oh, the Fourth of July yeah. deal. Yeah. yeah. She called in this morning, and she was bawling on the air, just talking about that. And they're raising money to get blankets for a charity and all the rest of it. And they do something every year for Jonathan. Just to, I literally couldn't talk for a while because she was she was crying her eyes out on the air. And I thought, what a brave, wonderful thing that is. Yeah, yeah. Because people used to think that was weakness. Yeah, I mean, well, back in the '30s, it was you know something to be ashamed of, and it was a it was mm-hmm. a shameful thing, you mm-hmm. know. And now it. Yep. It, uh, it's, I'm very public about it and it, it, you know, if I can help other people, I can do that, but I have nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, I, I think it's no. a, it's a, it's no. a, it's a disease, you You're know, morally weak character. Yeah. I'm a- <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Quit projecting Tom. I, I couldn't believe it when I, when I heard what Tom said, cause I've never heard of a guy named Tom Ryan having a, an alcohol problem, but anyway, <laughs> moving. <laughs> oh my. Hey, I grew up Catholic, man. I, right. you know. Oh, I'm a recovering Catholic. I get it. Me too. Yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, yeah. there's, there's, this yeah. is not good news. Yeah. All right. the Catholics What's the common sounds? golden thread between all this? You guys should come over to the, the Episcopal side. Yeah. Was, Twice the fun, half the guilt. Uh, it was interesting driving over here. I drove past my old alma mater, Benilde St. Margaret's. That was. Oh, uh, there you go. Love it. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. That was yeah. fun. That's so, where I got my start in drinking. In high school? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think oh, that's yeah. the, that's where most people start. Especially oh, private yeah. schools. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Private schools are worse yeah. than public schools, oh, yeah. you think? Oh, yeah. Especially Based dr- on what vast experience? Drugs, too, because I went to private schools. Yeah. Well, And I, I didn't drink or anything, but there were, in junior high, there were people, because people with lots of money, their parents would just like, oh, we're going to go out of town for a week. You right. just stay home. Here's yeah, true. That's true. $500. Bye. It's like, interesting. Yeah. And I, you, Tom, you and I are almost the same age. Growing up in the 70s, kids really didn't drink very much, but they sure took a lot of drugs. Holy buckets it was yeah well we started unusually young you know it was sixth seventh grade um and it was environmental at that yeah. point it was probably not that we sought it out it simply was available to you and it was mostly i think it was sort of the tail end of vietnam yeah yeah and so there was and it was just that time and there was a lot of <laughs> but the pot that was available today would give you a headache at best. Yeah, yeah. it's um, like CBD yep. pills. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, but there was a true excess amount of soapers and quaaludes and crazy soapers. stuff that and most people don't even know what those are any longer. What is soap? What's a soap? They're like elephant tranquilizers, yeah. basically. Boy, they were good. Yeah. I know they don't prescribe quite <laughs> Boy, they anymore. were good. <laughs> they were a lot of fun. Boy, I mean, they were good. I look back on that, and I have mostly fond memories um, of that stuff, but it was, yeah, it was bad I, way to go i could never do drugs i was always parent I, I i tried pot a couple times and it just made me paranoid and want yeah. to eat doritos I'm see but that's the difference it. in just a 10 or 15 or so whatever years it is is that you probably came of age more in the nancy reagan just say no era in the 80s when yeah. you know drugs yeah. were terrible but but drinking is fine and yeah. we were like in, drink, in drink, the drink. 60s and <laughs> 70s you know, drinking was a sign of the establishment, and the last thing any young teenager yep. wanted to be associated with was the yep. establishment. So, well, and d- drugs are—they're easier to come by now than alcohol. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I sure. suppose that is true. You can buy them on the. That's that's a that's a very good point. Yeah. It's a really really good point. So you know, look at all we do is just help people and deliver. Yeah. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Inform. You know. Inform. Inform. Right. Yeah. Inform, inform, inform. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm already looking. I, but I go ahead, Tom. Sorry. I was just gonna say very quickly. I'm I'm very very impressed with people who will come up and say I had this problem, uh, whether it's a disease in your case. In my case, anger had a lot to do with it. There's no doubt about that. And I know it's hard for Doug to believe that I have anger issues. <laughs> but yeah, for, all, for all of us, for all right? <laughs> what? For all of us. Gee, thank you so much. Alex, quiet, Alex no, do you listen. need your inhaler? Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Well, ironically, Boy, actually, I I stopped, uh, I, I had to stop listening to your show in the morning because my road rage was so bad when I was driving to work that I had to start listening to audiobooks. So anger definitely played a role in mine as well. <laughs> All right, we'll come back because I'm laughing at everybody now. Honest to God, I can't even get angry anymore. It's so ridiculous now, I can't even get angry anymore. What do you... You get angry all the time. No, we're just... You you were stunned into silence. It's like, who's going to take that one? Yeah, that was baffled. (laughs) You don't get angry? No, I don't. Thank you very much. But in any case, I'm just... I'm listening and observing now is what I'm doing. You don't get rage, but you get angry. I used to get rage. Yeah, used to I get used to get rage really bad. Very ragey when you drank. I did. And it wasn't yes, who's never like when your situation it was not like you were just sitting at home drinking while we were all home and no. then you'd get all angry and whatever. Like I never no. saw you I you never would, liked you. Yeah, like that was never the situation. <laughs> you'd go out to dinner with your friends, act like an idiot and then come home and go to bed. Oh, Oh, so it would act like an idiot. Okay. Yep. Well, boy, let's get back to car selling secrets. (laughs) You know. (laughs) You know. No, it was a situation very quickly, and we'll move on from there. But if I would be out in public drinking, and I would see somebody abuse a woman or a child or anybody smaller than them, I would go berserk. I hated it. Well, that's understandable. I I mean, I Yeah. Oh, God, I hate that when people take advantage of people, uh, of someone that can't possibly hurt them. I hate that so much, can't even tell you. Yeah. So that's that. Anyway, car selling secrets, ladies and gentlemen. 
Well, we'll take a break in a couple minutes, but we can start about with this right now. Katie, tell us how you got into the car business, because very few people do this on purpose, right? It's kind of accidental. <laughs> right, right. It's it's like a, it. it's like the, well, like it's that. the car business is like the mafia. They say you know once you get in, you can't get out. Um, I uh, started as a part-time receptionist actually in 1998 because my dad again enter uh, Katie's dad said you need to go get a part-time job. And I know this guy named uh, Carl, and he is uh, a manager at a store, and you can be, he needs a receptionist, and you need a job, so do it. And so I did it. And then I decided I would try selling cars for a summer, and I loved it, and I made some pretty decent money, and then I just never, never left. That's interesting. You know Ellie Swenson. Yeah. She started out as uh, Paul's personal receptionist. Oh, really? Yep, that's how she got into the car business as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's how I got in, and I I started selling cars, and then I uh, became a manager, and then. Uh, now, which store did you work at? So, uh, Katie worked for the Maury's organization for right. quite a number of years. Twenty-two years, yeah. Um, what was your question? Which stores did you work at? Oh, I worked at the Minnetonka Mazda store for eleven years, and then went up to corporate to join Tom Ryan. Uh, in the training department. Yeah, so I went over um, to do the buy happy and do the conversion to one price. He basically ripped off the whole <laughs> Walzer format and yeah, sold right. it to Morris. Exactly. Well played. Um, I wish I yeah, thought of thanks. that. Thanks. Um, and then so Katie and I worked together doing that, and then I went off on my own and started the Ryan Adams Group, and Katie took my position as the director of training. And I, uh, Carl has been a great resource for me and referral um, for business and so I wanted to take Katie and he sort of stood me down hmm. uh, not allowing me to go after her and then when Carl made the shift he, uh, we talked the day he left and I started stalking Katie. Well yeah I don't know if it was that we talked it was that you stalked me for four months. So Katie we'll be right back uh, with more of this. You realize that they just that Tom just admitted to committing a, an yeah. employment felony and yeah, it's all right. on tape. Yeah. 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 We'll no be right problem. back folks after a short break. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company Michael Bilski. Tell me Michael we've been talking about North American Banking Company for a few years now. One thing we've discussed is that the bank is locally owned and operated. Well, how does that benefit your customer? Tommy, projects and opportunities for expansion come up quickly for business owners. A locally owned and managed bank like North American Banking Company means decisions can be made just as quickly. We know Minnesota. We live in the communities we serve. So we have experience and firsthand knowledge for what's happening in your life where you live. That means decisions are made here. We don't ship them off or pass the buck someplace out of state. Finally. Getting our customers quick answers allows them to take decisive action, and that's how business gets done. Man, Michael, you're getting good at this. Practice makes perfect. Uh, perfect? <laughs> <laughs> Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. If you're one of those folks out there still putting up with contact lenses or dealing with glasses, think just for a moment. What would it be like to wake up to a clear morning and experience your day with all the freedom LASIK brings? Well, I'm living proof. That dream can come true. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With the new year right around the corner, it's time to set your sights on 2020 vision. Get $500 off LASIK through the end of the year at Whiting Clinic. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contacts, then it's time for you to find out if you're a candidate for LASIK. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com for your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Imagine 2020, buy 2020, and let 2020 be your best year yet with $500 off LASIK at Whiting Clinic. Offer expires December 31st, 2019. Both eyes only cannot be combined. Results may vary. Are you being stalked, Cassie? <laughs> we were talking about it. <laughs> Creepy. Best stalker song ever. Yeah. 
So, Tom, while we were uh, chatting during the commercial break, Alex uh, asked me if I was going to go to Key Sarah and I were going to Key West, and it reminded me of a story. It just got, This has nothing to do with automobiles, but it's just so mortifying to have to tell it. We are not going to Key West because we're going to a little tiny island uh, off the coast of Cozumel called Isla Mujeres. So we'd been there last year, had a great time, beautiful place. Just booked it again. We're leaving about the same time that you guys are going to Key West. So Sarah texts her ex and says, oh, by the way, I'm going to Mexico uh, for the eight days. Uh, can you watch their youngest, Liam, who's 17? And he says, oh, I guess I forgot to tell you, we're going to go on vacation then, too. Well, where are you going? Guess. So my wife's Key ex-husband. West. No. My wife's ex-husband no. uh, is going to be three blocks away from us. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. The planet is, how many islands are there on the planet, Andy? I, I bet it's a billion. Three blocks? Yeah, we're three oh blocks away from each other. God. Oh. That's got to be just so this came up. I, I was <laughs> talking. Katie called me about doing the show, and I said, look, Katie, everything that I sent you is in the notes and the invite, and she kept asking crabby. questions, and I was getting crabby. I'm like, you know, if you would just read the goddamn notes. And then <laughs> she finally said, okay, I read the notes. I said, I, I'm really sorry. I just I just heard from my wife that <laughs> we'll be vacationing with her ex-husband. You know, <laughs> that's just it's funny. funny. <laughs> I was, uh, my daughter, I have a daughter who just got back, lived in Australia, and my youngest went to school at uh, Victoria University, Wellington. And so I was walking through the airport in Couldn't Wellington. Couldn't get into an American school? No, I guess those weren't <laughs> options when we were kids. Mankato might have been the furthest option. Yeah, there you go. But uh, you go. I ran into my ex-wife in the airport in Wellington, New Zealand. Are you kidding? Of, no. And another time... 401 uh, Kate was in New Zealand? Yeah, and we were um, coming back... 401 Kate? Yeah, I'll tell the story. But um, the uh, <laughs> we were also... I called my daughter. We had landed from... Flew in from Charles de Gaulle. And I called my daughter and said, you know, what's going on? And she said, I'm on my way to the airport, my uh, pickup mom. And I said, where was she? And she said, she just flew in from Paris. And so she was on our flight. And my wife and I, we didn't see her. But, yeah, she was on the same flight coming home Back in from. coach? Um, she was. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's probably why. But it is one of those. So you do wonder sometimes how close you are to people and you never know. Yeah, You probably. know, and I'm in airports. Um, all the time, and you wonder who it is that you're sitting next to or that, you know, sort of touches your life. And so it's kind of funny, and actually we were talking earlier, and so maybe I'll tell the story very quickly. So I was flying at one point, this is many years ago, I was on my way to Seattle, and a guy got on, and I was lucky enough, it's probably 30 years ago, and I was up front, and he was putting a guitar up, in the and so I asked him about it, and it, it turned out his name was Michael Johnson. And um, Tom, you would probably remember Michael, uh, bluer than blue. Hey, um, you got it, great guy. Oh, what a wonderful guy! And so we get to talking on this flight, and of course, I have no idea any of his songs till he gets to bluer than blue. And so, anyway, but we kind of hit it right. off, and he tells me he needs a car. And so, because uh, at that time I was a buyer for the Walzer Automotive Group. And so anyway, at that point, he, he used to live in Minneapolis. At that time, he was living in Nashville. And so I said, well, I go to Nashville all the time, and the next time I go, I'll call you, and I'll take you to the auction, and we'll get your car. So uh, months go on. Anyway, I reach out to him. We go, I go to Nashville. He picks me up. We go to the auction, and he is a wonderfully funny guy. We turned out to be you know wonderful friends for a very long time. So we get to the auction, and the cars are going through, and they sell, you know, every three seconds or whatever it is. So finally I say to him, you need to buy this next car so that you can kind of be ready and know how to do this. So he goes up there. It's a Mazda sale. (laughs) He comes running back, and I said, how'd you do? And he said, well, I bought it. And I said, yeah, what'd you pay? And he said, I have no idea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, luckily, you can't be far off on a sale. It was a few hundred heavy. So anyway, the car he wanted came up. He froze. I bought the car. Um, and so anyway, he goes out to drive the car, comes back. I go pay for it. He writes me a check. I give him what's called a gate pass or a, uh, so that he can now get his new car out of the auction. 
So he takes me to the airport, drops me off, goes, picks up his wife, um, Sally, and they go back to the auction, and he had not put the car back where it was supposed to be. So they couldn't find the car. And so now his wife is, says to him, so let me get this straight. You met a guy on an airplane. <laughs> you wrote him a check for a car, and he gave you a piece of paper, and now there's no car. And he said, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, and it took, oh, gosh, I would say three or four days and he never called. Um, and then they found the car. And so um, it was, and he told, he used to play, if you remember, Tom, he played at Orchestra Hall every year um, yep. on the 26th of December. And he would always stay at my house. He ended up, uh, we ended up as very close friends. Uh, he played at my wedding. He actually sang at my mother's funeral about 25 oh. years ago, which was uh, really nice of him. But I'll tell you one more very quick Michael Johnson story because he, he was so much fun. Also, Michael was in the program, so he was uh, another one guy. Yeah, you can't, a cocktail. You Come on, can't, Alex. Let's go get You can't fish. get away from it. We're so, everywhere. Um, that's right. We were on the road somewhere, and we ended up, he was at the same place I was, and he was going to play a gig, and I think I told Dougie the story. But um, we were trying to figure out, this was pre-cell phone and GPS days, so we stopped at a convenience store, and we were close. We knew we were, but we weren't sure exactly where we were going. And uh, so we're paying for something in the convenience store. And Michael turns to the kid who is, uh, speaking of needing rehab, he was probably in line. Um, and so he asked the kid, can we take this road where we were down to the lake? And after a slight pause, the kid said, I don't care. Um, which left me sort of speechless at that very moment. And I, if, uh, you know what, I still remember the look in his eyes as he slowly turned to me. Um, but he just had a wonderful sense of humor. That, and, and I met him the, on the an The kid's airplane. got a great sense of humor. It wasn't Stephen Wright yeah, by any right. chance, was it? No, but uh, so it's funny. So sitting on an airplane, I ended up with a 30-year friend, and then he passed two years ago, 2017, yep. uh, July 27th. Yep. And... Uh, but what a wonderful guy. Did you ever interview Very him, old. Tom? Yeah, I spent a lot of time with him because he was on uh, EMI Records, which was owned by Capital. So he, uh, his, uh, Chaz Palmincherry was a guy who did his stuff. Not Chaz Palmincherry, Chaz Mar Chal Martina uh, did all his work for him. So I would see him a lot. And then by coincidence, many, many years ago, I attended an AA meeting, and he was in the group, so I decided, well, I probably shouldn't stay in the group then, because of the anonymity part of the deal, you know? So, uh, yeah, I would run into him once in a while. He was always very, he was a very laid-back guy, kind of close to the vest, you know, very private guy. He was a really, a really nice man, absolutely. Yeah, he was fun. He stayed at my house, and I have some great pictures when my kids were very, very young, and he would play for hours at night practicing and boy he could belt it out i mean he really oh, had yeah. a voice on him and he was a flamenco guitar player oh, was he really? yeah and it was mm -hmm. you know he started he studied in spain I wonder if he knows charo <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but Gucci, Gucci. Uh, she's actually a really good guitar player a lot of people think she's a cartoon which is, there's that side of her but she's um, a cartoon it's she's funny so uh he told um bluer than blue went to number one back in the 70s and yep. the pay back then, and I, I didn't know much about it, but um, it was a few thousand bucks for a yep. number one hit. That's because all the guys like Tom at Capitol Records stole all the money. <laughs> oh, is that the ticket now? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure, I, since I wasn't in the tower, that I didn't get any money. Pretty sure about that. But I think he um, bought the lyrics, is what he told me. So he bought yeah, them out of a catalog yeah. and then huh. wrote the music to it. And I, if I recall, and, and I don't know the exact, but it was 1900 or $2,000 is what that paid. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Uh, one of the great things about him, and I'll never forget this, a guy uh, used to it was a disc jockey, KWB back in the day, True Don Blue. And True Don Blue was around for many, many years. The afternoon guy at KWB, uh, a real pretty decent guy himself. I didn't know him really well, but he was a pretty decent guy. And Michael Johnson went into the studio and recut the song as Truer Don Blue, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> Isn't that great? Funny. Isn't that nice yeah. of him? Yeah. Um, very nice of him, You I know, thought. his first band 
that he started, and I'd have to Google who the third was, but it was John Denver and he. And so he was oh, yeah. born and raised yeah. in Denver, and uh, so he, in the 60s, ended up in a band, starting a band uh, with John Denver, and they remained close up until uh, John crashed the airplane. But he played oh, a lot yeah. with a guy named Leo Kodke also, who was from... Oh, I love here. Leo. And uh, one of Michael's, he, uh, Stan and Leo are his kids, and he has a daughter as well, but um, is named after Leo. And uh, now Leo's from Minnesota. Yeah, from he? Minneapolis. Yeah. Yep. And uh, his wa- ex-wife actually still manages him. I talked to her not too long ago because I wanted to go see him play. I love watching Leo Godkey play, especially for free. Apparently, yeah, That's no, why right. Yeah, the those are always good. Yeah. Now I'd lean not on anyone, much. but uh, yeah, no. <laughs> all car guys are mooches. You learn that quickly, right? Car guys but and girls. Guys and girls. It's not yeah. just guys. Exactly. There's right. girls that work in the car business too. Come on. That's true. One of the great things about him was he, uh, I mean, there's so many things. You know, it's funny you're bringing him up and the way he did things and all the rest of it. It just, it's, thank you, Tom, because it's a very, very nice memory. You made my day, actually. Good. No, I, I Katie's crying. She thought she was hoping that she'd have <laughs> I made your day. I thought I was going to make your day. Well, at the very end, I'll go, oh, Christ, are you a disaster? <laughs> or something like that. It'd be one of those things, you know. No, I, but, but seriously, looking back on all those things that you know that he did and did for people, and how how generous he was with his time and all, it, it just they're great memories. Thanks for bringing them up. I appreciate it. Yeah, it is fun, and I wonder, you know, you do wonder on all that travel how close you are to people that with you without mm-hmm. even knowing it. Um, sort of funny. I was in the World Club in Indianapolis trying to come home. <laughs> um, Which, wait a minute. The World Club in Indianapolis. Well, you know, the Delta Club, whatever the, whatever the oh, hell you call that's those cold. things. I mean, that's but, cold. Uh, that sounds like a Mitch Hedberg joke, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but the World is. Club in Indianapolis. But I, I was sitting there, and I had an hour or two to kill, and it this was, I was, was a few years ago, I was coming up on my 40th class reunion, and there was a woman sitting next to me, and I couldn't really see her, that very high back chairs, and I went and got something, and he came back and sat down. As I was coming back... It was a woman I had gone to kindergarten with all the way through high school. And, and you know, there I was a foot away from her for an hour without wow. knowing it. And we ended up kind of co-chairing our class reunion. And it was, we didn't really hang as kids, but it was really fun. And it's just one of those weird things. See, I would be the world's worst CIA intelligence officer because I can't recognize people at all. I'll give you an example. Years and years ago, my ex and I were, we weren't the exes then, we were married, we're going on a sailing cruise and uh, the boat left out of St. Martin. So we flew to uh, Miami, then to St. Martin. We're going through customs at one o'clock in the morning and I look over in the line next to us and there's this middle-aged guy kind of frumpy looking with a couple little kids and uh, and his wife and I said hey I think that guy was one of my professors at McAllister my ex look takes one look at him and goes that's Oliver Stone you moron that is who that is there you go. Close enough. I'm about. I'm the same. So, <laughs> so you're right. They're probably around yeah. us everywhere. There's yeah. famous, cool people everywhere. Yeah. I got to tell you though, Leo Kotke. I you put together Tom T. Hall and Leo Kotke. You get Pamela Brown, one of the greatest oh, songs yep. ever written. Yeah, it was written. a great, phenomenal song. But uh, I'm in Fargo, North Dakota, at the Fargo Theater. Leo Kotke's going to play a show there. And I had some other business to do, so I had to show up for the show in a tuxedo. And if you remember, Leo had <laughs> he's got kind a of voice. a voice like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got a voice Tom, on Tom, him like Tom, this, right? Brown. I love that song. But he comes walking up to me and goes, are you somebody I'm supposed to know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I had a tuxedo on. It was really cool. Oh, God, I love Leo Kotke. He's got a great play- dry sense of humor. Yeah, he does. He does. He's still playing, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Like, what, he used to do a Christmas show, but he doesn't do it anymore. I don't know why. No, you know, it seems to me he did one just a couple of years ago, but it had been a long time. I think yeah, it was at St. Paul yeah. at the Ordway, if I remember right. Love it. Loved them. We're going to take a quick break, and I've got the, I got a quick story that I'm going to read when we come back. I want to get everybody's take on this. It's about the youth of America. We'll be right, right. back. 
Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Start the new year looking great and feel even better by losing 20 to 40 pounds with help from my friends at Ultimate, powered by Nutramost. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, you'll receive 20 to 30% off all programs with Ultimate's New Year's resolution sale. Do what I did and let Dan and Neil Sheehy and the staff at Ultimate help you change your relationship with food forever. With the help of Ultimate, I lost 41 pounds and another 42 pounds in each of my two 40-day programs. Debbie P. from Anoka lost 31 pounds in 43 days. Cheryl S. of Webster lost 36 pounds in 43 days. And Ron D. from Lakeville lost 57 pounds in just 43 days. Live your healthiest life starting today. Schedule an immediate consultation and receive 20 to 30% off all programs for a limited time. Call Ultimate, powered by Nutramost. 763-333-7337. 763-333-7337. I was hoping she was going to be playing Pamela Brown. (laughs) Thought I'd hear it. I guess the guy she married was the best part of my luck. She dug him because he drove a pickup truck. (laughs) I love that song. Anyway, sorry. No, that's good. Speaking of driving, I saw this on my uh, automotive newsreader. This is kind of interesting, I think. It says, newly released data from the Federal Highway Administration shows the percentage of American teenagers with licenses to drive have more or less plateaued at levels much lower than those of a few decades ago. In 1984, 48% of 16-year-olds in this country could legally drive. In 2018, guess what percent it is now? 20. 25. Really? Wow. Yep. It doesn't seem, you know, my kid. I have no, let 20. me finish the okay. story, and then we'll get the commentary. Yeah. I know you're anxious. Oh, yeah. well. You're chomping at the bit, but there's right. an additional paragraph. Uh, among those ages 25 to 29, 85.7% had licenses in 2018, uh, down from 95.6% in 83. So fewer people are driving. It's not as dramatic uh, in the in the 20s as it is as a teenager, but I thought that was startling. Mm-hmm. So if you probably think back, so we waited and waited for, and you made an appointment on your birthday. Yeah. You got your license, <laughs> and then I remember mine came home and threw a tantrum because my folks wouldn't let me take the car to the Alice Cooper See, concert. I didn't actually wait. I, um, I, which, how unreasonable. I started driving at 14. I just had an extra set of keys. Right. And well, I think a lot of us did that. My mm-hmm. kids... It wasn't on their birthdays. So mine are 22, 24, 27. It was at, so the urgency seemed significantly less than yeah. when we were kids. Oh, I couldn't wait to get my driver's well, license. Yeah, Until I, you get a stick Honda. Oh, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to drive anymore. Um, no, I got mine when I was 17, but I've noticed, yeah, I've noticed with teenagers, because I have a bunch in the house, um, like my son who just turned, um, he just got his permit and he turned 16 in June. And, you know, he's eager to drive, but, like, our the oldest boy in the house, Linus, who's going to be 18 in June, he doesn't even have his permit. He's just like, I'll wait till I'm 18. And I think a lot of teenagers are waiting wow. to the 18 point. Also, I think it's also cost of car insurance for teens. Mm. Um, it, it's that, getting that, too I don't think that was cheap back in those days no. either. Well, there's Uber now. Yeah, and, yeah but there's you know. so many. I didn't get my so license until I was 18, and I lived in Dayton, so I mean. No, you got it at 17 because I made you. Well, 17 and like <laughs> a half, You're going to drive me everywhere. No, no, I, I, I waited like, as long as I could. No, I was like, we're not taking the bus to school anymore. You we're can drive cool. us. It's <laughs> one mile. You yeah. can handle it. Yeah. yeah. But it, wow. it, it's just different, so I, I do look at it and go, Wow, it was everything it represented. Oh, you freedom. Know. That's right. I could smoke cigarettes in my Honda Civic after I learned how to drive the five-speed. I mean, it was freedom. It was amazing. Oh, I know. I, but then there's so many restrictions now, too, for new drivers. Once there you get are, your driver's yeah. license, when we got it, you could just drive. Right. Do anything. Drive anywhere, yeah. at any time, yeah. anyone in your car. 
now when you're turned 16, there's still provisions after your driver's license. Right. I think you have right. to, yeah. you can't have anyone under Can't have more than two, two people or something and freeway or, driving and yeah. all kinds of Yep, and then stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the new rules and my kid was going over them. I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember that when I was driving. But yeah, I think there's like a six month grace period after you get your license that there's still it's still regulated so well if you get an at in an at fault accident you lose your license till you're 18. oh really mm -hmm. really yeah well wow. i thought minnesota was a no fault state well insurance from an wise, insurability yeah, yeah. well uh, we don't want to tell teenagers it's not their fault because <laughs> <true. laughs> it's always Cause it's their always fault, their fault. <laughs> so it's still the insurance i just mm -hmm. paid mine yesterday so it's a year thing my daughter drives a cx5 i have some cool German luxury cars. Mine are less than half of her 2016 mm -hmm. CX-5 yeah. at 22 years old. It's all about um, age. And boys yeah, are age, more yeah. expensive oh, than girls. Yeah, no, I pawned my son off on my ex-wife. Um, <laughs> she takes care of his, I take care of the other, and the oldest one's kind of out of the mix. But mm -hmm. it's Boys really are more expensive. expensive than girls? Oh, yep. by far. Yeah. Teenage Why? boys are Big like, risk. Yeah. So weird. It's all because teenage it's all boys speed, yep. they get in accidents. Teenage wow. girls do, but less. I okay. think, Katie, it's probably counterintuitive because boys are so much smarter. Oh, my but God. Whatever. <laughs> it's because when we're driving to the library, started, so we can go there. Well, Especially we're, teenage boys. Since we're so talking smart. about teen driving, check with your cell phone provider because, like, with mine, I can get a thing from, through the cell phone. I pay 10 bucks a month for it. I think the unit itself is like $100. You can plug it into your car where the diagnostic thing gets plugged in. Mm -hmm. OBD. And it will track the car. It's got GPS in it, so you know where the car is at all times. It also tracks speed. Do you have any idea how good the youth of America is at defeating that oh sort of God. stuff? Oh, I'm sure. but I'll I... give you an example from my personal life. Okay. My oldest nephew graduate of uh, Burnsville High School probably 15 years ago, mm -hmm. had a kind of a rough quarter mm -hmm. in his junior year. He hacked into the computer's grade system and gave everybody in the entire school A's. Oh my God. Bless his soul. <laughs> <laughs> a giver. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> But, uh, but I think if you get stuff like that as well in the car, especially with teen drivers, it could put a discount on your insurance as well. So Those things do exist, and, and, and I know people that have used those at the other end of the spectrum for mm -hmm. elderly parents that are starting to have memory issues and stuff like that. You can actually Tom. track where they Thank are. You. So mm -hmm. get that for you. Right. Tom Ryan. Um, but oh. I think it's more <laughs> about... Katie just took a shot at you, Tom. No, no I think Tom that was Ryan. me, Grandpa Ryan. Yeah. Um, but I think it's... It's probably some of this has got to be indicative to cell phones, right? So we, we didn't grow up in a time when drive, cell phones existed, mm -hmm. so therefore we were driving. You were, you were the, playing with the radio, well, lighting a cigarette. Worried about seeds on that came out of something on, you know. But uh, the, the uh, today, lettuce. right, mm -hmm. today, though, I mean, even though there's a law in Minnesota, all day long I see people on their phones. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you think, does anybody It's pay always... Attention? the prius driving in the left lane going on 45 miles an hour on the phone mm -hmm. it drives me absolutely crazy that's the my my road rage why i i had to stop listening i have I problems had to... with minivans oh minivans, minivans too yes Tom, Beat you, up minivans. you were in florida recently do they have uh, hands-free driving laws down there Yes, but nobody follows them. So. Oh, God. <laughs> Florida drivers? You think Minnesota drivers are bad? Not even close. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't drive down there because it's scary. Well, and there's everybody 7,000. That's the thing. <laughs> you have Back a mix. Yeah, it's, not it's not the texting and driving to worry about. It's right, the, down this there person you have cannot a mix, see. You have a mix of 80-plus-year-old people who shouldn't be driving anymore, and you have New Yorkers who are constant, like, perpetual road rage. Oh. So they mix together. The New Yorkers are swerving around the old people. No problem with the fiery people with Latin blood? Actually, not really. I mean, they do tend to do some, like, street racing kind of stuff. Yeah, but they Miami, do it they, where I think people... the speed limit's 100 now, isn't yeah. it? But they tend to do it where people aren't because, I mean, if you try to street race down Okeechobee, you're going to get five feet. And then you'll run into a grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> so literally <laughs> run into a grandpa. Yes. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Oh God. 
That's my story. <laughs> no. I was waiting for Tom to pick is. it up. I know. I don't know. No, He's, what do you mean? I, I, I agree with him completely. You just have to be very, very careful. But, I, I, look, it's not only on the streets in Florida. You have to be careful going in stores because you have a mixture of New Yorkers and hillbillies from central Florida. That's <laughs> true. And they both piss you off to no end. Tom, they what part of Florida you are you off. in? West Palm Beach. Oh, okay. On the east side. Yeah, we went on the east. We went on the east side because I know way too many people on the west side to go over there. Well, yeah, the, I mean Fort Myers south is all Minnesotans, yeah, that's, pretty that's much. Fine. I know too many people to go over there. No, I mean, you, you drive around yeah. down there and you see tons of Minnesota. Plants. Coincidentally, yeah. when we were down there, Melissa's uncle was down there on the west side. Yep. So there you go. Jeez. Oh, Speaking there, of synchronicity. Yeah, Speaking of synchronicity, it's true. We were indeed. In any case, so I thought I did my part there. You did great. I've got another kind of cool story automotive-wise, and this had to do with forecasting uh, from 2009 versus what actually happened. In 2009, it says the Americans were, automakers were gearing up to build small cars profitably amid forecasts of a permanent shift away from big trucks and SUVs. In 2009, passenger cars accounted for 55% of U.S. auto sales. Guess what they make up today? What? Oh, 22? 28. Yeah. So it's about half. It's it's interesting. You can't give a sedan away. No. Now, check this out. Automakers now, we, they're going after the <laughs> autonomous vehicle thing hard. They're spending billions and billions and billions of dollars. This automotive news uh, reporter did a word search for automotive news in 2009. Guess how many references uh, in 10 years ago there were to driverless or self-driving or autonomous vehicles in automotive news, which is the trade magazine of our industry? That would be none. None. That's exactly right. The earliest reference to self-driving cars that I can think of was like, it was like the late 90s, I think, and it was the Simpsons, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, the Simpsons are on the, you yeah. know, the vanguard the of the automotive world. <laughs> but the whole bit was like the, you know, United States Oil Corporation presents the car of tomorrow, and it's like, I'm an electric car. I can't go very fast or very far. <laughs> Do you remember the one where he, he finds, I think it was Danny DeVito owned a car uh, company and turns out he was Homer's brother, and he fires his design team yeah. and has Homer design his own car. Mm-hmm, the Homer, yep. And it has like it automatic like five... beer injectors, but yeah. it's eighty-five thousand dollars and doesn't run. Well, it had like, like a glass dome yeah. and like five horns because you can't always find the horn when you That's need it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's something though that you know I'm a car guy at heart and I like cool cars, but there's something. Not so cool about a really quiet, self-driving Ferrari that's not very appealing. Oh, yeah, you got that right. You know, I mean, if it's not the noise and not the fun and feel and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure glad I'm on this end of it rather than starting at the beginning. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. But I I think that's any technology change gets adapted by the next generation. It's the same story as immigrants in this country. The first wave of immigrants, it doesn't matter if they're Somalians or Italians or Germans or Irish, they don't assimilate the culture very well. It's always their kids that go to public schools with people from, you know, other cultures and it takes time. And I think the same thing for electric vehicles. It were the will be the dinosaurs if we're not already. But uh, you know, so I was I was in Portland last week and they left a uh, um, iPace, which is the electric Jag. Um, and the fit and finish is spectacular, but it's a really different drive. You know, you let off the accelerator and they break. Yeah, well, you know, it's like I driving mean, the world's most expensive golf cart. That's basically. right. And so it it an unbelievably fast. Yeah. But it, uh, there was part of me that kept looking at how many miles do I have left before I have to plug it in and pull over. Because you can't do that anywhere. No, yeah, I, you know, I wasn't no. going far, but um, it was fun. It was cool. I don't know that I'm there yet. No. That I would be the, uh, you know, the <clears throat> limited availability. If you want to take one to Florida, it's probably 17 stops. Um, and so if but you our wanna... age, we go to the bathroom more often. Yeah, I was right? going to say, right, I mean, yeah. you know, you can combine it with Thanks using a lot, the restroom. Katie. Yeah, but it is one of those things Enjoy that takes a show. half hour to, <laughs> right, a half hour to 
you know, like we go skiing out in Montana, mm-hmm. and I, where the hell would you, you know, Dickinson? What the hell? Do they even have? I don't think they have you know, electricity. Direct, direct current or anything there. Um, oh, yeah, we and, were out in um, Rapid City, South Dakota for our honeymoon. There's nowhere. There well, you know how to live. You Rapid City and Honeymoon have never been said in the same sentence. Well, yeah. like I said, I grew up out in Dayton. I'm, he's also I'm the a oldest, loner. He's the oldest man in the world. So. Well, it was, it was nice because we had a nice little cabin in the hills and it snowed 16 inches. So. Oh, that yeah. sounds nice. That sounds It's nice unless you nice. want to leave the house. Yeah. Well, you're literally trapped to. for two days. Right. But other than that, it was nice. <laughs> no, but, they're coming. Or in, but... It'll be the next generation that adopts them, I think, yeah. really. That, there is that. I mean, like, what's the fastest charging from 0 to 100% electric car out there? It's about a half hour. Yeah, that's like yeah. not everyone can just s- pull off the side and charge for a half an hour. They want to, well, you know, ha- they see a gas car, it takes you two minutes. Right. Yeah. The cross-country trip is going to be a, a long way down the road. But, I don't think that's ever going to. Um, and affordability is a factor. We don't have a Ford dealer, but everybody's watching the new Mustang, which is actually a crossover uh, body mm-hmm. style. They've already sold out production, and they're not going to start building them for another year. They go, I think their range is a little under 400 miles on a charge, and the all-wheel drive ones are 380 horsepower. I mean, they're fast as hell they'll go through anything and think about how many times in the last six months have you had to drive more than 400 miles in a day i took a trip to colorado but that's that's for me that's once every three years yeah that's true but 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 it's not perfect because america is a big company company a big country and and if you're driving Mm -hmm. cross country it is gonna blow for a while but you got there is a cost right so there's a cost you know everyone says well you don't have to fuel the car um, the electricity is not free. You know, my dealer has to out there that I would, uh, people go and just plug into their stuff that yeah. aren't. And so they find themselves having to shut off yep. their oh, power sources. Oh, so random people. people just yeah. Yeah, swing just by up. with their go power, oh, yeah. power mooches. Yeah. Oh well, God. not to mention those things draw how many amps, you know. A lot. Right. If you plug that into a normal 15 amp circuit, odds are you're probably going to trip the breaker just oh, for with sure. that thing alone. So. For sure. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, but it's interesting, you know, uh, Porsche's got the new Taycan, which yep. is kind of a wicked cool, but it, it uh, they only have the turbo and turbo S out, which cracks me up because there's simply, there's no motor. Right. And so you're looking at it. Well, it was no like engine, in the 80s, they called motor. everything turbo. Right. It's and turbo like, Gillette Track 3 Razor. Right. Wait a minute. How do you turbo, turbo something that doesn't have an engine in it? The DOS PCs back then had a button that said turbo. That's right. On it. I remember that. It actually slowed the computer down. I had down, a Packard though. Bell with turbo power. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yep. Uh, Unbelievably, we've come to the end of the first episode of 2020 of Car Selling Secrets. Uh, I've got a bunch of interesting guests lined up, lined up in the next six weeks from all walks of life. Thanks for Tom coming in again and Katie for uh, graduating from her first episode. I'm sure you'll be back sometime in the future. That's it. Thank you. Thanks very much. <laughs>